one or more of those up when we're finished tonight. Tonight is going to be a little bit of a shift. We've spent a couple of weeks talking about the truth, really sort of laying the foundation. Um, Our study is talking about things that we need to know, things that we need to believe, things that we need to be able to share, and things that we need to be able to defend. And we've talked about what is the gospel message. We've talked about what does conversion look like. We've talked about the importance of discipleship. We also talked about that Sunday, by the way, in Psalm 78. And tonight we're going to shift for a few weeks, and we're going to be less focused, not ignoring, but less focused on doctrine and theology and more focused on sort of practical, how do you actually do this stuff? We filled your mind with, okay, this is what the gospel message is. God is holy. Man is sinful. Jesus is the answer. You must repent and believe and follow Jesus. So you've got that in your brain. And we've talked about what is conversion? What are you looking for in somebody's life when you share the gospel with them? And we've talked about discipleship. What do you do with somebody after they make the decision to follow Jesus? That's just the beginning. That's not the end. And discipleship follows that. And so tonight is more hands-on, more practical. And really, this is, this is something that um, I don't think comes naturally for me, and I don't think it comes naturally for many people. And it's something that maybe you've never thought about in the context of sharing the gospel but it's something that's really important. We're going to talk about asking questions. And so on your notes, the first thing that I listed out was just a couple of popular evangelism training techniques. And we could add others to that list, uh, the faith outline or evangelism explosion or way of the master or share Jesus without fear. In all of these programs... And I'm not knocking these programs. I've led some of these programs in my churches. I've done two of those in my churches, and I've done another one of them personally. So I think they're good, and I think they're valuable and helpful. But the basic approach is to say, here's the information you need to memorize, an outline you need to memorize, questions you need to memorize, things that you need to put in your brain, so that once it's in your brain... You can talk to people who need Jesus, and you can sort of give them all the stuff that you stored up in your brain, right? So just, I'll give you one example. This is the outline, the basic outline, the simple outline for Evangelism Explosion. This is a program uh, developed by D. James Kennedy, uh, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in, I think it's Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and he trained all his people in this, and they published it in a book, and lots and lots of churches went through this training. And here's the basic, simple outline where somebody's gone through and added some of their notes. And I know you can't read that, but the point is just to say, that's kind of a lot of stuff, right? Like for somebody to just sit down and memorize that, that's the simple outline. That's kind of overwhelming to think that's the bare bones that I've got to put in my brain before I can go out and share that with somebody. And I think one of the consequences when you approach evangelism like this, when you say, I've got to memorize sort of this big script, and i got to know all these answers to all these questions, is that when you approach people, you approach them not in the spirit of talking with them, but you approach them in the spirit of talking to them. 
And if you've ever had somebody talk to you and you don't feel like they're talking with you, you know that's a miserable place to be. That's like just getting lectured. That's like what's happening right now. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking with you. And that's not the best way to share important things with people. So there's a guy named Randy Newman. And anybody heard of Randy Newman? Okay, not the Randy Newman you're thinking of. It's not the guy that sings the Toy Story song or Short People or Little People or whatever that song's called. This guy is a a Christian guy, and he's written a book called Questioning Evangelism. And a while back, Amazon suggested I I buy this book. You know, they they know everything about you, Amazon does, when you buy one thing, and they tell you all this stuff, and they say, you will love this book. And I think, Questioning Evangelism? Why would I want to read a book about a guy who doesn't think evangelism is important? But I started reading the back cover, and then I ordered it. This is one of my all-time favorite books about evangelism. And the guy says, what you need to do when you go share the gospel with people is ask questions. So this book is going to be the foundation for a lot of the things we talk about, even as we look at different scriptures and I share some stuff with you on the back of your, of your outline. It's coming from this guy. He's got a website and a blog. It's called connectionpoints.us. And I got online today when I was looking some of his stuff up and I found some talks that he gave. They're on YouTube. And one was an hour long and it was sort of a summary of this book and it was fantastic I listened to the whole thing while I made my slides for tonight and it was really really great so you can get online and and find this guy he's a great speaker he's a Jewish guy comes from a Jewish family and uh, converted to faith in Christ so here's a quote from the book that I really think sums up my biggest frustration with a lot of evangelism training programs and sort of summarizes what I would want for myself and for you guys as well Rather than trying to learn all the right words and have all the right booklets and anticipate all the right questions and memorize all the right intros and scriptures. Now stop right there. I listened to him today and I've read his book, okay? He wants you to memorize scripture. And he's going to give you in the book some intros that you can use. So he doesn't think those are bad. And he wants you to think about specific questions. And he said in in the talk that I watched today, he said, booklets are great, pamphlets are great, tracks are great, I'm all for them. And he says, yes, you need to think about the right words and how to anticipate questions. He's not knocking all that. He just says, instead of focusing on that, we should approach evangelism with wisdom. And that's the key word here, okay, wisdom. That means we become people who incarnate the gospel and speak of it freely because our hearts and minds have been captivated by it. Becoming people of wisdom and compassion is the prerequisite for any evangelistic technique. And I like that. Sometimes we think we just need the right technique and then we can go sort of bludgeon people with the truth and convince them that we're right and they're wrong. That's not what we're doing in evangelism. It's not about mastering a technique. It's about you being captivated by the gospel so that when you have opportunity to share it with people, you just speak about it freely. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to say, oh, this is... This is an opportunity. Okay, let me go to the first thing on my, on my evangelism explosion outline. Let me start checking off the bullet points and go all the way. I hope I don't leave anything out. I hope I don't get anything out of order. But instead, you approach it with wisdom and with compassion. And so let me give you a couple of illustrations to get you thinking about where we're going here. Put this picture up. Corey Spear, what is this a picture of? This is really important stuff. This is Corey Spear's personal fantasy football league that I'm privileged to be a part of. And you'll notice, I know it's really small, 
But up at the top of the leaderboard, the number one team in Corey's league is the Sandstorm, which is my team. Undefeated, 4-0, haven't lost yet, destroying everybody. I play Tyler this week, and I'm going to take him down. It's going to be easy. So, no, this is this year's. This year's. I don't want to talk about last year's. This year's, I'm in first place after four weeks. So listen, when, when guys who play fantasy football get together, right, it's easy to talk about fantasy football, right? Nobody, like if we're eating lunch and it's a group of guys and we're playing fantasy football, I'm not saying, hold on, let me get my notes out here about fantasy football. Let me get my, um, this guy is supposed to, I don't need to do that, right? Because I just know it. We think about it during the week. We get online. We talk about it when we're together. We text each other about it. We laugh about it. We joke about it. We make people cry about it. And you just, it's part of you. And nobody has to like twist your arm into talking about it. Nobody says, now you need to memorize all this important information to be good at fantasy football. You just know, I need to know this stuff if I'm going to win fantasy football. So you want to learn it and you're interested in it. That's kind of what we're talking about with the gospel. I want you to be so interested in the gospel that it just sort of comes out of you like fantasy football comes out of a group of guys that play fantasy football together. They just they love it. They're passionate about it. They're excited about it. They enjoy it, and it just comes out of them. They didn't memorize any sort of technique or formula. They're just passionate about it, and that's the way the gospel ought to be is we share it with people. Here's another illustration if you don't like fantasy football, okay? We're in debate season, right? Hallelujah, this is the greatest thing ever, watching these debates on TV, right? 90 minutes straight of just not great stuff. So you watch these guys, and I really like politics stuff. I like election season. I'm interested in it. And I like watching even all, my wife thinks I'm insane for this, but I like watching all the buildup to the debate, when they talk about how did they prepare, how did they practice, who was their debate partner, what did they do, and they sort of talk about all this strategy stuff. I think that's fascinating, and I love watching it and listening to it. And the post-debate analysis, I love all of it. And there's really kind of two approaches that people take to debates like this. One approach is somebody says, I'm going to learn the issues so well that I really understand them. So that whatever the moderator says, I can come back with an answer. I don't have to think about my memorized answer. I just, I know it. I understand it. And I don't have to worry about my opponent sort of giving me some gotcha thing. I just, I understand the issues that we're going to talk about. And I can just come back with my response. Because I'm not, I'm not repeating something I've memorized and I'm just spitting it back out. But I'm just thinking as I go and I'm understanding, comprehending this. The other approach that you see a lot of people do is they say, I'm just going to memorize all my answers. And you saw this several times if you've paid attention to this debate season. You would see guys or gals up on the stage and what do they do? They say the same thing over and over and over exactly word for word and you think, you're not, your brain's not even engaged right now. You're just vomiting up the thing you memorized. You're not thinking about the issue. You're not responding to a question or to your opponent. You're just parroting back information. Sometimes when we approach evangelism, we approach it like that. We say, I just got to memorize a bunch of stuff and then parrot it back to people. Listen, when you do that to people, it's completely obvious that you're just parroting back information. 
that it's not coming from your heart. And I think a much better approach than just memorizing a bunch of lines is to understand the gospel and to be able to think about it and talk about it with folks. And so that's sort of what we're, we're going for. Don't just give people memorized answers. Don't just talk to people. Talk with people. Okay? And one of the keys to talking with people is that sometimes you ask questions and then you take the zipper across your lips and you just shut up. You don't talk. So what I'm telling you tonight is one of the keys for you sharing the gospel with other people is to ask questions and then don't say anything. Just ask the question and then just sit there. And so let's talk about why you should ask questions. Okay, I got one, two, three, four, five, six reasons you should ask questions. Reason number one, Jesus often responded to a question with a question. And we're going we're gonna to read these in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at all of them. This was Jesus valuing people and engaging people. It was not Jesus trying to dodge the question. But it was Jesus valuing people as people and engaging them in discussion. He could have very easily, so many times when someone came to him with a question, just given a one-word answer. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That's a yes or a no question, right? He could have said yes or no. Yes or no. But instead, what does he say? He says, look, if you had an animal that fell in a hole on the Sabbath, wouldn't you go get it out? That's a question. If this happened, wouldn't you do this? And he's answering their question, but he's making them think, and he's engaging them in conversation. So let's just look these up. Luke chapter 6. We'll read through these quick. Luke 6. Jesus using questions, engaging people with questions. He told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? So he's asking a question. Chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? He could have said that as a statement, right? He could have said, look, I'm your Lord. Do what I tell you. Obey me. But instead, he phrases it in the, in the form of a question. Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I tell you to do? Chapter 7, verse 26. They're coming and they're asking him about John the Baptist, right? Verse 26. What did you go out to see? A prophet? He's wanting them to think. He's asking them a question. Look at chapter 9, verse 18 to 20. happened as he was praying alone the disciples were with him and he asked them a question who do the crowd say that I am John the Baptist Elijah one of the prophets and then he said to them but who do you say that I am and Peter answered the Christ of God Jesus could have said listen guys I'm about to tell you the most important thing I've ever said listen up get your pens out write this down are you ready I am the Christ but instead he says who do people say I am? And they give me, who do you say that I am? He's asking them questions. Look at chapter 18, verse 19. 
Luke 18, 19. This is a great example. A ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's like the ultimate softball question, right? That's what you hope your lost friends and neighbors would, they would just come to you and say, please tell me how to go to heaven. And you can say, yes, I've memorized the outline. Here we go. They asked for it. I'm going to give it to them. What do I need to do to go to heaven? Jesus says, why do you call me good? I asked you how to go to heaven. You're a good teacher. Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He wants the guy to think. He's asking him a question. Chapter 20, verse 3. This one's great because he answers a question with a question, sort of. Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, preaching the gospel. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came up to him and said, Tell us by what authority you do these things, or who is it that gave you this authority? And he answered them, I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Wants them to think. Chapter 20, verse 24. One more example. And there's lots. You remember they come and they say, should we pay taxes? Verse 21, we know you speak truth or you speak and teach rightly. You show no partiality but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? He perceived their craftiness and he said to them, show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? So he's asking a question again. Jesus did this. And he's not dodging the question, but he's engaging people in real conversation. Um, the best person I've ever seen do this was one of the deacons at our church in Kingfisher. And he would do it about all sorts of stuff, not just sharing the gospel, but sharing the gospel too. And uh, he would ask people questions. And they would give an answer. And he would say, you know, what do you think about this? And they would say, oh, well, everybody has an opinion, so they share their opinion. And he would go, huh. And what do you think came next? Well, what do you think about it? Oh, you want to know what I think? Oh, okay, I'll tell you about it. But he would start off with a question. Why did you do that? And they would say why they did it, and he'd say, huh. huh. Well, what do you think I should have done? You, you're in a conversation, right? He's not lecturing them at that point. He's not beating them over the head at that point. They're talking with each other. He's not talking to them. And so Jesus modeled this. Second reason, Paul preached many sermons, which we would call lectures, but he also engaged in real dialogue. And we'll look up this verse in Acts 17. Acts 17, verse 2. As Paul went in, as was his custom... And on three days, three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Some were persuaded. These words, he's reasoning with them, and he's explaining to them, he's proving to them. They're all sort of process words. There's something going on here. And it's not just a one-time thing, but this is over three weeks 
that he's having this talk with them. They're back and forth and they're discussing and they're asking questions and he's answering and he's asking questions and getting them to think. And there's this real dialogue taking place. And I really like one of the things that Randy Newman says is sometimes we feel like sharing the gospel is a one-time thing. It's something you do with somebody once and then you sort of say, oh, okay, I shared it with them. I feel better now. They know. And he says, instead of thinking about it as like a one-time thing you drop on somebody, you need to think of it as like an ongoing conversation. And you don't have to feel this pressure to unload every piece of Bible knowledge you have on somebody in one five-minute conversation. Think of it as a process. Think of it as something that's an ongoing conversation over time. Okay, reason number three. You're going to like this one. Questions can help you recognize a fool. When you ask people questions and you listen to their answers, it will help you determine whether or not you're talking to a fool. And that's really important information for you to have when you're talking to somebody about really important stuff like the gospel. And so I want to read these verses in Proverbs. You need to know if you're talking to a a fool. Look at Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14.7 says, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Okay? Remember, Proverbs are just general truths. They're not every situation, all the time, everywhere. But the book of Proverbs says, if you want to be a wise person, you don't need to be hanging around with fools. You're not going to get anywhere with those people. You're not going to find any knowledge or any understanding. Look at chapter 23, verse 9. Proverbs 23, 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. You may read that and say, I don't know, that just sounds kind of harsh. Fools need Jesus, and they need somebody to tell them about Jesus, which is sort of true. But you can say it's not just in the book of Proverbs, and you can look later at Matthew 7, 6. Jesus says, don't throw your pearls before pigs you're going to have to determine who the pigs are and you're going to have to determine when you don't need to throw important stuff in front of people and he's echoing the book of Proverbs don't speak in the hearing of a fool he'll despise your good sense look at Proverbs 18 2 a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion you ever been around that person Yeah, some of them on TV. I've been around a lot more, experienced it a lot more not on TV. Just people who just want to tell you what they think. And when you find yourself in that situation with a fool who doesn't want to listen, they only want to talk, that's probably not the best time to try to force the gospel down their throat because they don't want to hear it anyways. That's sort of the principle of Jesus saying, shake the dust off your feet and move on somewhere else. Don't cram it down somebody's throat. Don't try to, to reason with a fool if they don't want to listen to you. So you need to, you need to recognize who a fool is. Reason number four. Questions can help you avoid an argument. When you share the gospel with somebody, you never want to argue. Right? Going back to the quote I gave you from, from Randy Newman, he talks about we want to be people of wisdom and compassion. We don't want to be arrogant 
just braggarts who argue and bicker and banner with people about the gospel. That's, that's not what we're trying to do. Discussion, yes. Debating civilly and politely, maybe. But arguing is never what you want to get into. And just look at a couple of verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 17, 14. This is one of those Proverbs you really kind of have to think about. I've been thinking about this one all afternoon. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. Quit before the quarrel breaks out. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. Quit before the quarrel breaks out. I think what he's saying is sort of like the toothpaste analogy, right? When you squeeze the toothpaste out, you don't get it back in the tube. When you let the water out of the barrel, it goes into the ground and it's gone. You don't get it back. And he's talking about quarreling. And he's saying, once you go down this road of quarreling, there's consequences and there's things that come out of your mouth and their mouth that you don't get to take back. And you've gone down a road, it's really hard to dial those things back once you start that. So when you see the beginning of a quarrel, just cut it off. Don't go down that road too far where it's hard to come back in your relationship with somebody. So you want to avoid an argument. Chapter 18, verse 19. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. What he's saying is, when you find somebody that all you ever do is argue with them, it's going to be like you're just talking to a brick wall. They're not going to listen to you. You're not going to listen to them. Nobody's going to listen to anybody. You're going to be as unyielding as a strong city or bars on the county jail. You're not going to budge one bit. So, avoid an argument. Number five, questions help you treat people like people. I'm going to let you look those verses up in Proverbs. We've talked about this already. When you talk to somebody, when you talk at somebody, you're not treating them as a person. You're just sort of saying to them, I'm intellectually, spiritually superior to you and you need to listen up because I'm about to give you some great insight. At which point, you're not treating them as a person. You're just sort of treating yourself as this all-knowing poobah. So we're not talking at people. We're not talking to people, but we're talking with people. We want to treat people like people. Last one. Questions help you think before you speak. Always important, right? Think before you speak. Let's look these verses up. Proverbs 17, 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. It's always okay to restrain your words. It's always okay to think before you speak and not just to run your mouth. Look at Proverbs 21. This is a typo. There is no Proverbs 21.33, but it's 21.23. My mistake. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And then I really like Proverbs 29.20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Don't be hasty in your words. Think before you speak. Now you look at the, those reasons. Why should we ask questions? And you say, we looked at the book of Proverbs a lot. I didn't think the book of Proverbs has anything to do with evangelism, with sharing the gospel. It's in the Old Testament. It doesn't talk about Jesus. But the point where we started, the idea that we started with is, we don't just want to memorize lines and talk 
these lines to people, but we want to engage people with wisdom and compassion. And what better place to turn than the book of Proverbs for wisdom as you think about how to talk to people. So there's why we ask questions. Let me give you two guiding principles, okay? The first guiding principle, and these are from Randy Newman from the book, is that reveille precedes revelation. And as you fill in the word reveille, I'm going to play it for you just to sort of give you the full sense of what we're talking about. Any French speakers in the room? Anybody know what reveille means? Wake up. Fitting, right? That's what the word means, wake up. So somebody was really creative. We're going to play a song to wake people up in the morning. What do you want to call it? Let's call it wake up. What Newman is saying is sometimes people need to wake up up before they're ready to hear revelation from God. Sometimes they've been lulled into believing crazy, ridiculous things that they haven't even thought about. They don't realize how wacky their beliefs really are, and they need to wake up to the insanity of that before they're ready to hear the gospel. So reveille, waking up, precedes revelation. Um, They need to see the folly of their beliefs, Questions are a non-confrontational way to help provoke people to thought. So here's a couple of questions, and I just want you to think about these, about how they might help you sort of get somebody's attention and help you understand what you need to share with somebody. Good question. Did you grow up going to church? Tell me about it. And you ask the question, you just be quiet. The answer that somebody gives you is going to have a huge impact on how you share the gospel with them, right? If somebody says, I did not grow up going to church. I know nothing about the Bible or Jesus other than I've heard the name. Somebody says that, then you say, okay, we got to go back to the very beginning, right? we got to cover basic stuff. we got to start with who is God. But then what if somebody says, yeah, I grew up going to church, Uh, My dad was a a fundamentalist Baptist pastor at a church where the women couldn't wear pants and had to wear their hair in a bun, and we had all these rules, and you couldn't do this, and you couldn't do that, and da-da-da-da-da, and they tell you about that experience, and they say, I just got so sick of that, I'm done with with church. Well, you're going to share the gospel differently with that person, right? You probably don't need to start off hammering them about how holy God is. They've probably been hammered about that their entire life. You need to talk to them about grace and forgiveness and the freedom we have in Christ. Or what if somebody says, I grew up in a super charismatic, ultra-Pentecostal church, and we talked about dreams and visions and this and that and all these different things, and it was just so crazy for me, the stuff they did there, and I just didn't want anything to do with it, and I walked away from that, and I don't want to... Well, you're going to have to talk to them about those issues. And by asking the question... Now you sort of have an idea of where they're coming from, what their experience has been, and what you need to share with them. Um, Here's a question. What do you think it means to be a Christian? Because sometimes somebody will say to you, ah, Jesus stuff, church stuff, I don't want anything to do with that. And you and I hear that and we think, you don't want anything to do with it. You don't want your creator as part of your life and a relationship with Jesus and the hope of, you don't want all that. That's not what they're thinking about though, maybe. And so if you say, well, what do you think it means to be a Christian? Somebody says, 
Well, it means you, you don't get to have any fun and you got to keep all these rules and things, you know, church is boring and if you talk in Sunday school, the lady's going to slap you on the hand and put you in the corner and you say, well, I don't, want any, I don't want anything to do with that either. All of a sudden, you're on the same page, right? And you haven't lectured them about anything or told them anything. You just, you asked a question and now you have some common ground. Here's a great question to ask. Really? You actually believe that? So let's say you're talking to a college kid at UTPB. They're doing an intern in your, internship in your office, and you get the chance to talk to them about something. And you say, hey, I, you go to church anywhere? You have a church home? No, I, I'm not really interested in church. Really? You, know, you talk to them. You're asking them back and forth. And eventually this young person says something like this. You know, I just... I, all beliefs are the same. It's, we're all worshiping the same God, and it really doesn't matter what you believe. It's good for you. It's good for me. And, it, you know, if you're sincere in it, it's really going to be fine in the end. You can jump into that and say, let me tell you something, buddy. There is one way to heaven, and you better do it. You can just jump in that way. Or you can say, you really believe that? For real? You think it's okay for those terrorists to be sincere when they flew those planes into the World Trade Center for religious reasons? You think that's okay? Because they're pretty sincere. You th- is that okay? Well, oh, no, that's not okay. Oh, all right. Well, what about those people in, you remember those people in California that they were waiting on Haley's Comet or some Hellbop Comet or something and they committed suicide the night the comet went by and they thought the comet was going to take them to heaven and they found them. You remember those guys? Yeah, yeah, I remember those guys. Is that, I mean, those guys are in heaven because they killed themselves when a comet came by? That's how you get to heaven? Well, no, that's kind of crazy. Well, already you're at the point where you say not every religious belief is okay. And you haven't had to hammer them about it. You haven't had to beat them over the head with how crazy their beliefs are or say anything hateful to them, but you've asked them a question and you've engaged them. Here's one I use all the time. What do you mean by that statement? What does that mean? I talk to people when I'm sharing the gospel with them and they say things to me and I just think, I have no idea what that means. I mean, they're talking about stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. Will you explain that to me? Um, I use that question about four times this week talking with people and I'm trying to share with them. I say, I don't, what does that mean? You're going to have to explain that. What do you mean when you say that? And listen when you ask that question. Um, so what? Why does that matter at all? This is a great question because a lot of people, hey, I told you a lot of us, we, we memorize gospel presentations and we just spit them back out, right? Well, a lot of non-believers will hear a line on the History Channel or on TV or on something. They won't know anything about it, but they'll just say, right, the, the Bible's just full of errors. The Bible's full of errors. Really? Can you tell me one? Uh, I don't know of any, but they're there. Well, you got them thinking, okay? You're asking a question. Why does that matter? So what? How do you know that? That's an important question. How do you know that? Why do you believe that? And, and what's your basis for saying you believe that when you're asking somebody a question? And you need to know this because somebody might say, well, science proves it. And when they give you that answer, you know, okay, they have science as the highest authority in their life. That's their basis 
for what they can really know. Or maybe you ask somebody a question and they say something crazy about Jesus and you say, why do you believe that? And they say, well, it's in the Book of Mormon. You say, okay, I know where you're coming from now. I know what the background is here. I know what we're talking about. Here's a really good one. And this is not all the questions you could ask. He's just giving you some examples. Have you always believed that way? Have you always been skeptical about church? Have you always been skeptical about Jesus? And somebody might tell you a story like, you know, no, I haven't always. In fact, I grew up going to church. It really, it's a great church. And um, my family got involved in a conflict in that church. And some people really hurt us. And we left and we never went back. And they tell you this sort of sad story. And you say, okay, their problem really isn't with do they believe the, the facts or not. They've been emotionally hurt. And that's the reason they're skeptical. And that's the reason... They're standoffish. So, look, here's some examples. This is not saying memorize these. These are the magic questions. But this is just to get you thinking. And let me just point out something really obvious. After you ask these questions, you have to do what might be the hardest thing for some of us. Don't say anything. And listen actively to what the other person is saying. And that leads right into this last guiding principle. Listening is hard work. It is really, really, really hard to be a good listener. Most of us are not very good at it. It's hard work. But if you're going to ask a question, you have to do it. Let's look these verses up real quick. These last verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. It is wise to restrain your lips and listen. Chapter, excuse me, 17, verse 28. This is a great proverb. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. You may say, I don't know anything about anything. Well, just keep your mouth closed. We'll think you're brilliant. We'll think you're so smart. Sometimes you just need to be quiet and listen. Chapter 18, verse 13. This is a good one. If you give an answer before you hear, it's your folly and your shame. If you give an answer before you hear, you're a fool and you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Listening is hard work. And here's some of the ways... That we ask questions and then we just kill the answer. We kill the conversation immediately. Okay, These are, these are out of uh, Newman's book. Avoid, quote, me too. So this is when you ask somebody a question. And maybe they start to give you the answer and tell you a story about their life. And you say, ha, ah, me too. And you jump in and you tell your story. Well, you're not listening to them. You're just talking to them. And you just killed the conversation. And here's one that's even worse than me too is, oh yeah, oh yeah? That's when somebody tells you a story, you ask a question, they're giving you an answer, they're telling you about their life, you're getting somewhere, and then you say, oh yeah? Well, let me tell you what happened to my friend. I got one even better than that one. You think that's a bad situation? Let me tell you about this situation. And at that point, do you know what you just said to that person? Your story's lousy, my story's better than yours, and I'm tired of listening to your story, but I want you to listen to my story. You're the fool, 
in your speaking without really listening. Avoid hot buttons. And uh, what he means here is sometimes when you talk with non-Christians, they say things that may not be completely biblically right. You don't have to jump down their throat about all those things. You don't have to correct all those things. You don't have to try to make them a perfect theologian in five minutes. Some of that stuff you can just sort of let it ride. That's what he's talking about when he talks about hot buttons. Avoid, yeah, right, that sarcasm. That one's hard for me to avoid. But when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, it's not really helpful to be sarcastic. It's just not going to further the conversation. Avoid, avoid wordiness. And you can think about guys who made this mistake. If you think about Job's buddies, right? They're trying to show up and talk to Job and line him out and tell him the truth and preach at him. And they just say too much stuff and they end up saying really stupid stuff. So you don't need to be too wordy. And then the flip side of that is avoid silence. Avoid silence. And we looked the first week at, at what Peter says where he says, be prepared to give a defense for the reason, for the hope that you have. Be ready to do that. So here's the last thing I want to end with. Okay, we've talked about it's okay to memorize some things. It's okay to file some things away in your brain, but we don't just want to memorize a script and then talk to people. We want to be wise in it. We want to be compassionate in it. And a big, big part of that is asking people questions and actually listening to the answer. And after you really, really listen, okay, you ask a question, you really listen, you have a decision to make. Are you going to just let that sit? Or are you going to respond and jump into the conversation? And I want to show you my two favorite Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 26. We talk about these a lot at my house. Proverbs 26. Look at verse 4 and verse 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him yourself. Verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Which one is it? Are you supposed to answer the fool or are you supposed to not answer the fool? And the answer is yes. And it takes wisdom to know the difference, right? So when you're talking with somebody about spiritual things you begin to ask them some questions and you begin to listen to them the point in your listening is to say is there an opening here is this person interested in in hearing the gospel or are they just stubborn and angry and they're going to argue and it's not going to go anywhere they're going to be hostile and if they're just going to be totally foolish you don't need to answer them because if you do you're going to end up becoming a fool just like them the conversation is not going to go anywhere except into the pit of foolishness on the other hand, you're talking with somebody, you're listening to their answers, you're trying to gauge where they're at, you're praying that God would give you wisdom to know, should I pursue this, should I not pursue this? And many times you're going to need to answer a fool in their folly so that they don't walk away thinking that they're wise in their own eyes. And I can't give you a bullet point list of when you do one and when you do the other, except to tell you sometimes you do one and sometimes you do the other. And it takes wisdom from God to know the difference. 
And so that's a, a few thoughts, some of them from the book of Proverbs, some of them from Mr. Newman about asking questions and engaging people with wisdom and compassion. So I want to pray for us that we would have wisdom from God and compassion from God to do these things, and we'll wrap up. Father, the task you've given us to speak for you and to share the good news is, is daunting and intimidating and sometimes frustrating, and uh, sometimes it's scary. And we pray that you would help us to be wise in how we share the gospel with people. We pray that you would help us to ask good questions. And pray that you would help us to be really good listeners. That we wouldn't talk too much. And that we would genuinely engage people in their beliefs and their worldview and their, uh, their lifestyle. Father, we need wisdom to know when we should speak and when we should not speak. We never want to, to become like a fool in voicing our opinions and, and speaking at people. But we always want to treat people like people, people made in your image. We want to show them respect and value, and we want to speak with them about the good news and the hope that we have in Jesus. And so we need your help for that, we need your wisdom for that, and we need you to give us hearts of compassion so that we can do that. We love you and uh, pray again that you would use us to take the good news to our homes, to our places of work, to our city, to the ends of the earth. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.